We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You have found me at my little corner of the internet. This is Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. And today is Thursday, May 13th. And as promised, my friend Ken Ham is on the show with me today. And we're going to talk about what's going on in the culture. You guys are going to be really encouraged. Ken is the author of a new book, Divided Nation, Cultures in Chaos and a Conflicted Church. This is going to be a powerful conversation. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So before we get going today, a couple of things I want to let you guys know. I'm going to be heading to Orlando for the Orlando Homeschool Convention, that FPEA, which by the way, you guys should know, there is no mask mandate there. So come from Nebraska, come from Wyoming, come from Minnesota, come down and take the face diaper off your face and have a good time down there. I think you guys are going to be really encouraged. The governor of Florida will be doing the opening invocation there, and they've got just an incredible lineup of speakers. That's happening on the 27th through the 29th of May. I hope you guys will come out and see me. After that, I'll be traveling to Illinois for the ICHE convention. You guys can find out more at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. All right, you guys, you know how much I appreciate the ministry of Answers in Genesis. I've talked about the ARC repeatedly here at the show, how much my family loves that. And really, the thing that drew me to Answers in Genesis years ago was their commitment to truth. And Answers in Genesis is headed by Ken Ham, an incredible apologist with a passion for truth. And he has joined me here today, and I'm so blessed to have him back. My friend, Ken, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks, Heidi. It's great to be with you. You don't mind talking to somebody with an American accent, right? Uh, No, I've lived over here long enough to tolerate it now, so it's okay. (laughs) Well, I figured I figured we had enough in common that you might be able to overlook that. So I'm not from the South. So really, I've been told I just have a Northern accent, which I apparently can't hear anymore. So that's fine. Well, it's working. Well, you know me. what's interesting? I didn't even have an accent until I came to America. <laughs> that's true. And then once I landed here, people told me you have an accent. But, you know, as an Australian, you know what people tell me? It doesn't matter what you say. We just like to hear you saying it. Anyway, that's actually so. true. Yeah. Yeah. You could just you could start recording children's books just to lull them to sleep. That'd be that's the thing to do. That'll be, that's a good idea. You know, I might do that. Yeah, you should. I had a, the funniest comment and a podcast listener ever sent to me. And I'm coming up on, I think, 2000 episodes now. And a mom wrote to me and she said, I use your podcast to put my children to sleep five nights a week. And I thought, I don't know if that's good or bad. I think it's bad. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's mostly bad. There are some teachers out there that put you sleep in five minutes. That's true. I had one in, in Bible college and I won't name his name just in case he's listening, but yeah. I fell asleep in the uh, in the Old Testament survey class on more than one occasion. I don't mind telling you. Well, you have a brand new book that I was very blessed and honored to be asked to endorse, which I did after reading it, Divided Nation, Cultures and Chaos in a Conflicted Church. And really, this book has been written, I think, for such a time as this because the nation really is 
in chaos. And right before we started recording, you and I were talking about just some of the things that are happening, critical race theory being mandated into law here in Washington State Conference of Sex Education. We are really a culture in crisis right now. And you've decided to just hit this thing dead on, starting with talking about our nation being divided. What was the impetus for writing the book? And why do you think it's so important we need to hear the truth right now? Well, Heidi, if you look at the nation, we know that America in the past was very much permeated by the Judeo-Christian ethic that came out of the Bible. And of course, it was even in the public schools when, you know, the Bible was allowed, prayer and uh, creation and, you know, Christmas carol singing and so on. But what's happened is that veneer of Christianity has really been ripped off from the culture. And it's it's really gone hand in hand with what's been happening in the church, because what's been happening in the church, we've been losing the younger generations from the church. I mean, we're down to a now, what with Generation Z and the millennials, about 11% that are attending church. You go back to the older generations, back to those born before 1928, they call the greatest generation, you know, the D-Day generation, 56% of them went to church. And we've got to look at the fact that the church has been losing the younger generations and Generation Z now said to be the first post-Christian generation, twice as likely to be atheist as any previous generation. And what's happened is they've left the church, they're building a secular worldview and impacting the culture in that way. And to really understand what has happened, I mean, to me, Judges 21-25 sort of says it all. When there's no king, no absolute authority, then everyone does what is right in his own eyes. And what's happened is that whereas there was a respect for the Bible in the past and a respect for, you know, right and wrong, the morality uh, that came out of the Bible, the Judeo-Christian ethic, now we've had generations raised in a public education system that has openly attacked the Bible. Science to them has disproved the Bible. They've come to our churches. These kids, they've been told, you can believe what you're taught at school, that's okay, just trust in Jesus. That's not true in every instance, but the majority, it is true. And they start to doubt that you can trust the Bible and that doubt leads to unbelief. They've walked away from the church. And now we have those generations. I've always said, I've been saying for years, as Generation Z, even Generation X, Y and Z, as those three generations become the more dominant voting block in the culture, we're going to see a catastrophic change in the culture. And that's what we've seen. And we see a culture now that has rebelled against God, I I really think we're seeing Romans 1 happening before our very eyes, where they worship the creature more than the creator. They've rebelled against God, and God has turned them over to depraved hearts. And part of that turning over, a consequence of that is men lasting after men, women lasting after women. We see, you know, the sexual revolution, the homosexual revolution, the gender revolution. It's all a part of what's happening as we read through Romans 1. And I, I see a culture that's in utter chaos because it no longer builds any of its thinking on God's word, basically rejected God. They're shaking their fist at God. And when you think of the abortion issue, I mean, child sacrifice, when, when we think about that in, in cultures past, you know, we're, we're not thinking anywhere near the numbers of, of what's been happening in regard to abortion. I mean, 60 million children in America alone since Roe versus Wade, about a billion children now, modern era around the world. You can see that uh, God is not going to sit back and do nothing. And I, I believe we're seeing the hand of God even in judgment on this nation right now and in judgment on the church because the church is losing the younger generations for all the praise music they have, 
I don't believe God is hearing the melody of their hearts or accepting the offerings in many instances because they've compromised God's word. They haven't stood on God's word. They've um, compromised with evolution and millions of years. They're even softening much of the church is softening their attitude towards LGBT and the gender movement as well. I mean, it is a conflicted church. It's cultures in chaos and the nation is extremely divided and it really comes down to a spiritual battle that has been raging and now we're seeing unfortunately the consequences of a church that hasn't really fought that battle the way they should have. Yeah, it's true. And you and I have had this conversation over the years many times. Uh, watch really with a fair amount of disbelief as the church, who should be at the front and center of these issues, refuse to engage. And so what we've seen is a, a, a nation now that is absolutely in crisis because what we have is a clash of worldviews. That's really what it is. And as you pointed out in the book, there is no position of neutrality. And I've been, you know, going around the country for years and years trying to get the church to engage. Why is it so important that the church not remain silent on issues that affect us from the ground up. These are, you just said it yourself, these are spiritual issues. And the root of our problem in this nation is spiritual in nature. Well, the Bible tells us that we're in a war and we're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to be involved in that war. We're soldiers of the king. I mean, Jude tells us to contend for the faith. And that means to get out there and do something about it. We're to be light, shining uh, in this dark world, where to be salt out there in this world. And, and unfortunately, much of the church has not been equipped with the armor to know how to go out there and do battle. And I find a lot of people are really intimidated by the world because they don't know how to answer what they're saying. They don't know how to defend their faith. I mean, First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give reasons for what you believe. And I, I believe there's just been so much lack of teaching in a lot of our churches. Uh, look, Heidi, probably to give a couple of practical examples, just so people understand what we're really saying here. Why isn't the church leading the way in dealing with the race issue and what's going on in our culture right now? And I'll tell you why I believe it is, because many of them have not been taught the true history of the world, starting in Genesis, to know what they believe and why. Because if you teach Genesis 1 to 11 as literal history, you understand we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. Biologically, there's only one race. We also understand there are different cultures or ethnic groups because of what happened at the Tower of Babel, but there's not different races. So really, the church shouldn't be talking about races. We should be saying we're all one race, which is by the way, what the scientists have been saying for years, in fact, the Human Genome Project, when they mapped the human genome in the year 2000, said, guess what we found when we mapped human genes around the world? There's only one race. Well, the church should have jumped up and down and said, of course, there's only one race. And, you know, the emphasis of the world is, oh, you look at people's outside, you look at their skin, you, 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 you determine who they are by looking at their outside features. But you know what God reminds us? That as, remember when in First Samuel 16, when Samuel came to uh, anoint the king, he didn't know it was going to be David. He saw one of his brothers and, you know, you can imagine him thinking, wow, he's tall, handsome, strong. You know, he's on the football team. Well, maybe not back then, but you know what I mean? Uh, he's obviously going to be the king. And what did God say? God does not see as a man sees. For man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. And we've got to learn the lesson from there. We've got to understand the inside. We're all sinners. We're all in need of salvation. 
just because we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. And so the solution really to issues of race and racism and so on, the solution is not to look on the outside of man and determine certain things from man's opinions. The solution is we need to understand we are all in need of salvation. We all go back to Adam and Eve. We're all, we're all sinners. And the answer is we need to believe what God has revealed to us about who we are, where we came from, and what our problem is and what the solution is in Jesus Christ. And until we get people back to God's word, beginning in Genesis, we're never going to be able to deal with the issue of races or racism. In fact, if you think about it, gay marriage, gender, abortion, racism, they're not all different problems. They're all the same problem. They're different symptoms of the problem. And the problem is when you have people who build their thinking on man's word and not God's word. Because when you build your thinking on God's word beginning in Genesis, we know there's two genders. We know that marriage is a man and a woman. We know that we're all one race. We know that only humans are made in the image of God. Therefore, abortion is killing a human being made in the image of God right from fertilization. Until we have that foundation, which hasn't been taught in the majority of our churches, a lot of our churches, because of the teaching of evolution, millions of years, not knowing what to do with that, they've ignored Genesis. I find many of them are more interested in Revelation than they are in Genesis, and yet Genesis is the foundation for your doctrine, for your worldview, for the rest of the Bible. Revelation is not. And until we understand that we have to have a worldview based on God's word to know what we believe and why and equipped with answers to be able to defend the attacks of the world against the word of God, then the church is going to be remain lukewarm and weak as much of it is today. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And you you wrote about this years ago. You know, you wrote a book called Already Gone, and, and you and I spoke about this years ago at a conference. And I remember telling you at the time, you know, after my husband and I had spent 20 years in full-time ministry, and we had observed generations literally leaving the churches, but you don't just lose a generation of children, right? You lose a generation of parents, you lose a generation of grandparents, and then you lose a generation of children. And this really is incumbent upon the parents right now and grandparents to be teaching their children the truth. I know that there are a lot of people listening to this right now who are kind of scratching their heads because they're wondering, I wonder if I'm in a church like that, kind of a a lukewarm church. And we've certainly seen this now, COVID-19, revealing a whole lot of weakness, even more so in our churches and inability to be discerning and unwillingness to stand for truth. And what do you say to the people who are listening to this right now who aren't really sure if they're in a strong church or not a church that is committed to teaching the foundational truths of the Bible beginning in Genesis? Where where do they start to look to see, man, should I leave my church? Should I find a different church? Well, you know, Cody, you asked a lot of questions there. One of the things I did in the new book Divided Nation would say there's four things that are missing from most of our churches in regard to being taught to people. And those four are real quickly. Number one, there's no neutrality. People have the idea today 
that if you're not a Christian, uh, that you're neutral. But the Bible says you either for Christ or against, you walk in light or darkness, you gather or scatter, you build your house on the rock or build your house on the sand. There's no neutral position. And think about it. Uh, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, like Romans 3 tells us. And, and Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Our heart is we are against God. We've got to understand our children are born, in fact, right from fertilization. Uh, we have a sinful, uh, sinful nature that we've inherited all the way from Adam because we in Adam sinned against our creator God. So so our, even our children are going to be against God in their heart, which is why we have to work so hard to train them. And, and you know, this overflows even to issues of fighting about, for instance, the Freedom for Religion Foundation comes in and says you can't have crosses or nativity scenes somewhere. You're imposing your religion on the culture. And so you say, oh, okay. And so we stand back and say, you can remove them. Now they've imposed their religion on us because we think that when you don't have crosses or nativity scenes, therefore it's neutral. It's not neutral. Now they've imposed their anti-God religion on us. And that's the second thing is that everybody has a religion. Everybody has a worldview. There's no non-religious position. And I think many of our churches haven't taught us properly. When you go out there to do battle and, you know, you're talking about the abortion issue or the gay marriage issue, uh, a lot of people have been told when somebody is out there publicly doing it, uh, well, you can't say you're in about the Bible because that's religion. So you've got to, you've got to do battle in other ways. But you see, if you don't have the Bible as your foundation, there is only one other foundation, and that's man's word. And then the, that the, that's the other aspect is we haven't raised up generations to be thinking foundationally. In other words, where does your worldview come from? It just doesn't come out of nowhere, right? It, we've got to understand the Bible is not just a book of spiritual things, moral things, relationships. The, the Bible is is a revelation from the God who knows everything, and he's given us the information we need, the key information, to, as a foundation to have the right way of thinking about the whole universe and about life. And Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for the whole of the rest of the Bible and our whole worldview. And, and for instance, think, of, think about this as a practical example. You will have Sunday school material in our churches that will actually say things like, now kids, look at the beautiful world God made. You can tell God made the world because look at the beautiful world. But they look out there and see an ugly world of death and suffering and evil and disease. And the atheists come along and say, you were told at church God made a beautiful world? Look at all the death and suffering and disease. There can't be a loving God. And then they're, they're dragged away and their hearts and minds captured by the world. What we need to be doing is teaching them foundationally from Genesis that this is a fallen world because of sin and what we see out there is a result of our sin and so this is not the world as God made it. That's why God stepped into history to save us from what we did and then what we need to be doing is teaching them apologetics, teaching them how to defend the faith against the attacks of our day so that when somebody says, well, science has disproved the Bible, where did God come from? Well, how do you know there's a God? Well, where did Cain get his wife? What about dinosaurs, millions of years, evolution? You know, being able to answer those questions of the world. And so I would say this, is your church teaching them to think foundationally starting from God's word in Genesis is your word, is, is your church teaching them a biblical worldview based on the Bible so they know what they believe and why? 
Are they equipping them with apologetics so they know how to defend the faith against the secular attacks of our day? Are they helping them understand that we have a sin nature and you can't trust your feelings? A lot of the younger generations today, even in our churches, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a male, but I feel I could be a woman, or I feel that if two men love each other, then that should be okay. But it's got nothing to do with feelings. You can't trust your feelings because of our sin nature. You need to judge your feelings against the absolute authority of the word of God and teaching them also to understand everybody has a religion and there's only two ultimate religions, and that is starting with man's word or God's word. You're either for Christ or you're against. And, and I mean, are our churches teaching that? And by and large, they're not. A lot of our churches are just teaching from the Bible, within the Bible, some spiritual things, relationships and so on. But we need to be teaching our children foundationally so they have a true biblical worldview. And that's one of the emphases of the book is to say, if we're not teaching our children those sorts of things, if our church is not teaching that, then we need to ask, what what are we really doing? Because Heidi, do you know what I found? A lot of churches, because of the exodus of the young people from the church and what's happening in our culture, they've resorted more to entertainment. And I, I've spoken in all 50 states, and you probably have too, and I've, I've spoken in hundreds of churches, and I've seen the patterns. And the pattern is a praise team out the front and you stand up and sing, you know, four songs 50 times each for an hour or whatever it is, uh, and they water down the teaching of the word so that they're not teaching apologetics, and the emphasis becomes more a performance out the front and, and, and entertainment, and that is not going to solve the problem. It's only going to accentuate the problem. I'm not against music, but I'm saying that has become the, the focus of most of our churches instead of focused on teaching the word and teaching them what to think, how to think, equipped to defend their faith. And you can have good music as well. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with my friend Ken Ham, the founder and executive director of Answers in Genesis. I want to remind you that if you are not familiar with the work of Answers in Genesis, we're coming into a great time of year to take your children to go see the Ark Encounter and to go check out the Answers Center and also the Creation Museum. You guys, these are life-changing moments for you with your family just to see God's Word come to life. And it really is an amazing time to do. It. Also, want to let you know we got a brand new study going on right now at Mom Strong International, and you're going to hear Ken talk about it a little bit. The Book of Jude, where the author of the book says, "Hey." contend for the faith. We need to learn to contend for the faith. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next two months at MomStrong International is working our way through the book of Jude. This is an amazing opportunity for you to study God's word. This is what God tells us to do, right? To study, to show yourself an approved workman who does not need to be ashamed and who can rightly divide or rightly handle the word of God. It's never been more important than it is right now. So I hope you guys will share this podcast with your friends and your family. Be sure to leave reviews for the show wherever podcast reviews are available, particularly at iTunes. And if you're interested in supporting this ministry financially, we would greatly appreciate that. You can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast into the show notes today, and we will link back to how you can become a part of the ministry team here. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I'll see you back here for part two of my interview with Ken Ham at the intersection of faith and culture tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.